It's what I do when no one is looking that really defines my status in the cross. It's what I speak in my heart where no one hears. This is true, but the big misnomer is that no one sees or hears. I am a businessman in the marketing field. Years ago, a regional factory representative from a global company called me on the phone and presented a proposition. The rep was the person in control of the company's advertising funds for his territory. Each individual store that carried his company's products was allocated so much advertising support, which was in proportion to their purchases. Many stores had not used all of their allocated ad dollars. My company was the marketing firm that handled the advertising for a retail outlet that did a lot of business with this man's company, so he knew we handled the invoicing regarding co-op advertising claims. His plan was simple. I would send him a fake invoice for a highly inflated amount in advertising dollars, and he would authorize the fake invoice for payment. He had complete control over these types of transactions. His company would send my company a check for the inflated amount, and then I was to split the funds with him. A better understanding of what my wife, my children, and I were faced with at the time of this proposition during the late 1970s makes this story even more beautiful. By U.S. government standards, my family was far below the poverty level. Our situation included such misfortunes as car repossession, possible home eviction, IRS seizure of business checking accounts, and other serious problems. In truth, things were fantastic if one had the eyes to see. In today's money, what was being offered to me in this man's position was around $60,000 tax-free. It could have changed a lot of our misfortunes. I told the company representative no. He was shocked, asking why. Nobody would know. I responded, no. Two people would know, me and God. Can you imagine that every detail of your life is being recorded? Even every word you have spoken. Matthew twelve thirty six and 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. In just a short time, we all meet our words and their consequent deeds. Are you ready for that? Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again? In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, God, your Creator, will erase all of your bad words and deeds. Jesus Christ's blood will cleanse you of all sin and of all shame. You will be born again. Today, all of Satan's bondages will be broken. No matter how formidable, you will be clean and free. The decision of death and life is in your hand. Jesus said in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again means born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. This is it. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now for today's subject. God said Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-nine through 35. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? 
Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath retinous of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. God said, Habakkuk 2, verse 15, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. God said, Proverbs 20, verse 1, Wine is the mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Man said, A little moderation, that's my motto. A little bit of booze, a little bit of marijuana and cocaine, a little bit of fornication and adultery, just a little bit. Hey, Jesus made wine, didn't he? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature 1,149 that will for the 1,149th time stand to contend for the supernatural and inerrant veracity of God's majority text, Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used as bait by the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you in your home with light and truth. You are a peculiar treasure. Exodus 19.5 This feature will be the latest update on alcohol in Christians and alcohol's effect on the world at large. After some review in the latest discoveries, which will partially be a confirmation of research we have published in the past, we will enter the domain of understanding, which is the foundation, source, and essence of all life, and that is the domain of words and the confession of the mouth. You'll find that God Said, Man Said has addressed all the standard arguments regarding alcohol and its consumption by Christians. There are numerous features on this site on the subject of alcohol, which you can find by clicking on this link. Be assured, there is no biblical endorsement for the consumption of alcoholic beverages. Moderation? No. Several excerpts from previous God Said, Man Said features follow. When God condemns an action, wise men and women take heed. Years ago, while working in the prison ministry, I met a man named Victor. Victor was an alcoholic and was incarcerated as a result of deeds spawned by his bondage. Victor had all the necessary tools to succeed in life, but in his approximate 60 years, success was absent. Poor Victor's life was wasted and many other lives affected. Family members, friends, loved ones, employers, taxpayers, and more were directly damaged by his action. I asked Victor when he became an alcoholic, and he said, My first drink. Moderation didn't work for Victor. The devastating effects of alcohol are, in fact, like an Armageddon on the world's population. Statistics from the National Institution on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism will give you a feel for the horrors of alcohol. 
In the United States, 14.5 million people 12 years of age and older have AUD, alcohol use disorder. AUD is defined as a chronic brain disorder marked by compulsive drinking, loss of control over alcohol use, and negative emotions when not drinking. We estimate the number globally to be in excess of 319 million people. In the U.S., an estimated 95,000 people die from alcohol-related causes each year. That's about 3 million globally. In the U.S., this is the third leading cause of preventable death. Over one out of four driving deaths in the U.S. are a result of alcohol-impaired driving. In 2010, alcohol misuse cost the United States $249 billion. Globally, the cost is $5,478,000,000,000. of that cost is attributed to binge drinking. You pay for this regardless of whether you drink or not. Figure the cost to be about double in today's money. In 2016, 134 million disability-adjusted life hours were attributed to alcohol consumption worldwide. That's 134 million years of lost life to disability caused by alcohol consumption. In 2018, the World Health Organization reported that alcohol contributed to over 200 diseases and injury-related health conditions, approximately 10.5%. That's 7.5 million of U.S. children ages 17 and younger live with a parent with alcohol use disorder. To quote from the NHS report on alcohol facts and statistics, research has shown that people who misuse alcohol have a greater risk of liver disease, heart disease, depression, stroke, and stomach bleeding, as well as cancers of the oral cavity, esophagus, larynx, pharynx, liver, colon, and rectum. These individuals may also have problems managing conditions such as diabetes, high blood pressure, pain, and sleep disorders. They may increase their likelihood of unsafe sexual behavior. Fetal alcohol syndrome is the number one cause of birth defects and renders children born with IQs 13 to 16 points lower than other children. It can be caused by as little as a mother consuming one drink during pregnancy. Moderation, right? Why is there even an argument in Christendom, or in carnaldom for that matter, regarding drinking alcoholic beverages? With this phenomenal weight of witnesses testifying against the consumption of alcohol, why does so much biblical confusion appear to exist? The Word of God speaks about wine and strong drink, and wine is the main focus of this article. In Proverbs twenty-three thirty-one, it reads, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. In other words, don't drink the wine after it has fermented. Also, the wine God commanded us not to drink had a very low alcoholic content because of the low levels of sugar in the grapes of the Middle East in comparison to today's alcoholic beverages. Some of the confusion concerning the drinking of alcoholic beverages is that many erroneously think that the word wine in the Bible strictly refers to the fermented juice of the grape. A simple search of the scriptures, however, reveals that unfermented wine juice is called wine as well as the fermented juice. 
This is shown in the following scripture passages. Isaiah 65, 8. Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sakes, that I may not destroy them all. Joel 2, verse 24. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Please note that it is called wine as it comes forth from the wine press. In the Old Testament, there are two Hebrew words which are both translated into English as the word wine. The first word, tirosh, occurs 38 times, and it means must, fresh or new wine. The word must is defined as the expressed unfermented juice of the grape. Again, from the textbook Archaeology and Bible History, the following excerpt deals with the two Hebrew words translated as wine. It begins by explaining the word tirosh. Examination of the use of this word shows that it does not refer to a fermented drink. Eleven times it speaks of wine as a first fruit, fresh from the harvest, usually in the phrase corn, wine, and oil, and obviously refers to grape juice. Seventeen times it is used with grain and oil as natural products of the field, again clearly implying grape juice. In three places, tirosh is said to be filling the presses, obviously referring to freshly pressed juice. And uh, you'll see Joel and Hosea and Proverbs and Isaiah pictures tirosh as being still in the cluster of grapes. And Micah 6.15 is the clearest of all, mentioning tirosh as the material from which fermented wine is formed. Only in one place is there any association between tirosh and wickedness. Hosea 4, verse 11, Whoredom and wine, yeayin, and new wine, tirosh, take away the heart. Even here, in this particular context, there is no mention of actual drunkenness and no suggestion that tirosh in itself is intoxicating. It is clear, then, that tirosh is regularly used in the sense of grape juice, a beverage with no appreciable content of alcohol. Concerning the second Hebrew word, yayin, it goes on to say, Yayin is the most common word for wine in the Old Testament, occurring 135 times, and clearly means fermented wine. At least 30 times, yayin is definitely associated with drunkenness, and its use is more or less condemned. It was prohibited to the Nazarites, Numbers 6.3. Daniel refused the king's yayin, Daniel 1, verse 8. About half the passages mentioning yayin in the Old Testament are clearly denunciatory. In some places, it is mentioned merely as a natural product without praise or blame, just as polygamy is referred to at times without specified condemnation being given at that particular reference. An examination of passages supposed to support the use of yayin shows that they really do not give such support. The use of yayin in making the drink offering does not support partaking of wine, for this offering was not drunk, end of quote. Please note, this drink offering was never consumed, was poured out before the Lord, just as all things detrimental to human health were commanded by God to not be consumed from the animal sacrifice, such as the fat, the blood, the dung, and the call above the liver, etc. As in the Old Testament, the word wine in the New Testament can mean unfermented or fermented wine. When Ephesians 5.18 says, And be ye not drunk with wine, it refers to fermented wine, wine 
then can be fermented or unfermented. Now concerning the marriage supper in Cana, where Jesus turned water into wine, there is one very obvious reason that certifies that Jesus, in fact, did not create fermented wine, and that reason is that the Lord Jesus Christ was sinless. Had he created fermented wine and contributed to the drunkenness of others, he would have been guilty of disobeying the many commandments forbidding it. Do you suppose Jesus would have created wine that if consumed by a pregnant woman attending the marriage supper could have harmed her unborn child with fetal alcohol syndrome? Do you suppose that our Lord Jesus would have given the people fermented wine, causing men to lust after their neighbor's wives, fist fight in the parking lot, and wreck their chariots on the way home? Would it be so hard to fathom that the miracle wine Jesus produced would be the finest wine that man has ever tasted, and that the creator of the universe, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, could accomplish this feat without the contamination of alcohol? Wouldn't you suppose that Christ's miracle wine would be free of fermenting bacteria caused by harmful UV rays from the sun? The answers are, of course, and of course. Proponents of alcoholic consumption felt vindicated when a 1999 University of Wisconsin Medical School study ascribed great health benefits to fermented wine. At least, that's how much of the story was reported. The research revealed that in wine are found tannins and flavonoids that diminish cholesterol and may fight blood clotting. What most media failed to report is that unfermented wine, grape juice, has the very same health benefits. Those who promote the concept of moderation, citing verses such as 1 Timothy 3.8, which reads, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lugar. They need to read a few verses above that in verse 2, which reads, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given a hospitality, apt to teach. This word sober is discussed in the following paragraph in Archaeology and Bible History. The New Testament attitude toward intoxicating drink is shown by the injunction for Christians to be nephalios, which is translated sober. This word is used only three times in the New Testament, but it is used regularly in the classical authors, meaning free from all wine. This word shows strongly that the New Testament ideal is total abstinence, end of quote. The dictionary defines sober as not given or addicted to the use of intoxicating beverages, abstinent, free from the influence of intoxicating beverages. Finally, from archaeology and Bible history. In summary, we are left with the biblical condemnation of alcoholic drink and a definite denunciation of drunkenness as sin. Nowhere is moderate drinking given approval. The existence of light fermented wine does not mean that God sanctioned its use for beverage purposes. Furthermore, a different situation exists today with the use of modern, strong, alcoholic beverages. Solomon's observations of long ago is just as applicable today, if not more so. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. End of quote. The Christian's model should simply be, we drink no wine that's past the line. And of course, that includes all fermented or distilled alcoholic beverages. 
The May 23, 2022 headline of Science Daily read, Alcohol may be more risky to the heart than previously thought. Excerpts from the article follow. Levels of alcohol consumption currently considered safe by some countries are linked with development of heart failure, according to research presented at Heart Failure 2022, a scientific congress of the European Society of Cardiology. This study adds to the body of evidence that a more cautious approach to alcohol consumption is needed, said study author Dr. Bethany Wong of St. Vincent's University Hospital, Dublin, Ireland. To minimize the risk of alcohol causing harm to the heart, if you don't drink, don't start. In the pre-heart failure group, compared with those with no alcohol use, moderate or high intake was associated with a 4.5-fold increased risk of worsening heart health, Dr. Wong said. Our studies suggest that drinking more than 70 grams of alcohol per week, the equivalent of five standard drinks in the U.S., is associated with worsening pre-heart failure or progression to symptomatic heart failure in Europeans. We do not observe any benefits of low alcohol use, end of quote. In April 26, 2029, headline of Science Daily reads, No safe amount of alcohol during pregnancy, suggests researchers, end of quote. The very latest medical research regarding alcohol consumption is truly damning. The January 4, 2023 headline from the World Health Organization reads, No level of alcohol consumption is safe for our health. Several excerpts follow. The risks and harms associated with drinking alcohol have been systematically evaluated over the years and are well documented. The World Health Organization has now published a statement in the Lancet Public Health. When it comes to alcohol consumption, there is no safe amount that does not affect health. Alcohol is a toxic, psychoactive, and dependence-producing substance and has been classified as a Group 1 carcinogen by the International Agency for Research on Cancer decades ago. This is the highest risk group which also includes asbestos, radiation, and tobacco. Alcohol causes at least seven types of cancer, including the most common cancer types such as bowel cancer and female breast cancer. Ethanol causes cancer through biological mechanisms as the compound breaks down in the body, which means that any beverage containing alcohol, regardless of its price or quality, poses a risk of developing cancer. The risk of developing cancer increases substantially the more alcohol is consumed. However, the latest available data indicate that half of all alcohol-attributable cancers in the WHO European region are caused by light or moderate alcohol consumption, less than 1.5 liters, one bottle of wine, or less than 3.5 liters of beer, 10 beers, or less than 450 millimeters of spirits, approximately 10 shots, per week. This drinking pattern is responsible for the majority of alcohol-attributable breast cancers in women, with the highest burden observed in the countries of the European Union. In the EU, cancer is the leading cause of death, with a steadily increasing incidence rate, and the majority of all alcohol-attributable deaths are due to different types of cancers. 
We cannot talk about a so-called safe level of alcohol use. It doesn't matter how much you drink. The risk to the drinker's health starts from the first drop of any alcoholic beverage. Although it is well established that alcohol can cause cancer, this fact is still not widely known to the public in most countries. We need cancer-related health information messages on labels of alcoholic beverages following the example of tobacco products. We need empowered and trained health professionals who would feel comfortable to inform their patients about alcohol and cancer risk. And we need overall wide awareness of this this topic in countries and communities. States Dr. Ferrari Borges, the regional advisor for alcohol and illicit drugs in the WHO Regional Office for Europe, end quote. January 19, 2023, time.com, weighed in with the following paragraphs under the heading, Is There Really No Safe Amount of Drinking? The safest amount of alcohol to drink is none, according to new guidance from the Canadian Center on Substance Use and Addiction. That's a marked change from Canada's previous national guidance on alcohol consumption, which advised women to have no more than 10 drinks per week and men no more than 15. In 2022, the World Heart Federation released a policy brief debunking the notion that alcohol is heart healthy. Contrary to popular opinion, alcohol is not good for the heart, the report says, noting that some studies that show cardiovascular benefits from drinking are flawed, and more recent research points to a host of chronic conditions linked to alcohol. In the past year alone, studies have found that alcohol consumption may accelerate genetic aging, shrink the brain, and increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. Alcohol is also considered a known human carcinogen and has been linked to a variety of cancers, including those of the breast, liver, colon, throat, mouth, esophagus. Cancer was the focus of the WHO's recent statement on alcohol. The agency noted, that half of all alcohol-related cancers diagnosed in Europe are caused by lighter, moderate drinking, a consumption pattern that is common across the region. About 8% of European uh, Union adults drink daily, and about 29% drink weekly, data show. There is no proven threshold at which booze is risk-free, according to the WHO. Canada's uh, recent report made a similar point, arguing that drinking alcohol, even a small amount, is damaging to everyone regardless of age, sex, gender, ethnicity, tolerance for alcohol, or lifestyle, end of quotes. Consider these headlines. Science Daily, March 30, 2020. Alcohol consumption by fathers before conception could negatively impact child development. Science Daily, December 3, 2020. Drinking linked to a decline in brain health from cradle to grave. Science Daily, November 22, 2022. Drinking during pregnancy changes baby's brain structure. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. The remainder of this feature will only be fully understood by the redeemed, the blood 
In the lead of this article, I stated we would be going deep into the domain of words. Everything is made of words, including our bodies and our spiritual person. It is always and entirely a word issue. God, through Christ Jesus, Hebrews 1 and verse 2, speaks all things into existence with his words. Psalms 33, 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. John 1, 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word. There was no earth, no sun, no moon or stars, none of earth's life forms, just words. Then God began to speak all things into existence. God functions in a word medium. He is the word. Man has been made in the image and likeness of God. This may shock some people, but because man was made in God's image and likeness, man has creative and destructive power residing in his tongue. This principle is clearly defined in Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The first law of thermodynamics, also known as the law of conservation, tells us that one cannot create energy or matter. The original quantity must remain the same. You cannot add to nor subtract from what you have. God's Word defines this principle 3,000 years ago, Ecclesiastes 3:14 and 15. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. Science now knows that matter, all physical things, is made of energy. And energy is comprised of photons, which are packages of light from the sun. Now, as a result of their studies into such concepts as quantum physics and quantum consciousness, some scientists theorize that it will soon be proven that words of intent, words of knowledge and understanding, actually create energy. When they arrive at this moment, they will once again find themselves knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. The student of the Bible knows that all things are spoken into existence by God's word, including the Son. It is totally a word issue. Truly, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, consider that the born-again participate with God in the salvation of their souls. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Our first godlike act is a word issue. When we mix God's word with the childlike confession of faith, all the promises God makes become ours. Jesus speaks of our words and their phenomenal power in Matthew chapter 12, 34 through 37. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account therefore in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words 
thou shalt be condemned. There are various self-help support groups for alcoholics and addicts of all types, and we applaud them for their labor of love. However, be certain that the born-again are not the standard run-of-the-mill human. Their confession is not, Hi, I'm a recovering alcoholic or drug addict, and I've been alcohol or drug-free for three weeks. No, it is of a totally different sort, and it is discovered in their talk, their confession of faith. The born-again are, just as it says, born a most literal second time, and believe me, it is entirely literal. We are not recovering alcoholics or addicts. We are brand-new creatures. We are born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. Our old man or woman has been put to death and buried with Christ in water baptism, and our new man or woman resurrects with Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 3 through 6. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we should not serve sin. We are new creatures, and the old man or woman is dead. 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 19 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The old man or woman is dead and buried in Christ, and the new man or woman now lives in us. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. James 1, 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The born again are born a second time and have cast off the carnal nature. We are now a new kind of first fruits and have embarked on a journey called a new and living way. Hebrews ten nineteen and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The born again are new creatures. Even my old, dark, epigenetic tags, inherited from the devil via my ancestors all the way back to Adam and Eve, are washed away. I have my new father's epigenetic tags, and that father is God. I am a new creature and continually being transformed by the washing of the water by the word, Ephesians 5.26. My old man, guilty of sin and shame, has been buried with Christ. The new creature declaration is so apparently true. 
at the place Jesus calls born again, everything changes. We are not our past, not even close. We are brand new. We no longer think like we once thought. We no longer speak like we once spoke. We no longer fear what we once feared. We no longer go where we once went. We no longer do what we once did. In Christ Jesus, I am brand new, and the old man has been buried with Christ. I am new and being renewed daily, and the confession of my mouth breaks Satan's chains. I have surrendered my life to Christ, and I have embarked on the new and living way, and I do not look back. I am no longer hooked to my past. It is over. In the front of my majority text King James Bible, you'll find my address and my birth date, the day I was born again in Christ. My record before that day has been fully expunged and buried with the guilty party. Neither God nor I remember it any longer. I came out of the booze and dope, dope culture of the 1960s. I was a young, smoked-up drunkard, and my family had some history of alcoholism. Could I have developed into an alcoholic? One thing is sure, I have never knowingly touched an ounce of alcohol since my redemption on November 8, 1970. I don't go there anymore. My confession at the intervention meetings is, I am born again. I have been born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. I am now a son of God. My old man has been buried with Christ. I am totally brand new and free to live a life of beautiful victory. Hallelujah! I'm saved! Now we're talking. There is no safe level of alcohol, none. No drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, let the confession of your mouth be that of a soul set free. All the chains, they snap right here. It's always been a word issue. God said, Proverbs 23, 29 through 35, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I found it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. God said, Habakkuk 2, verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. God said, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Man said, a little moderation, that's my motto. A little bit of booze, a little bit of marijuana and cocaine, a little bit of fornication and adultery, just a little bit. Hey, hey, Jesus made wine, didn't he? Now you have the record.